Welcome to Converge Coffee with Sean Sullivan. I'm here with Eric Deckers. He is the president of Pro Blog Service, a content marketing agency with clients around the world, literally. He is also the co-author of Branding Yourself, No Bullshit Social Media, and the Owned Media Doctrine. Eric has been blogging since 1997 and a newspaper humor, humor columnist since 1994. He has written several audio and stage plays and numerous business articles. Eric was the two, spring 2016 writer in residence at the Jack Kerouac House in Orlando, Florida, and now serves on their board of directors. And here's Eric. Hey, Sean, how are you? I'm awesome. How are you doing, Eric? Doing very well. So I don't know if everybody knows this, um, but you actually gave me the idea to start this podcast from our weekly Friday coffee meetings when you still lived in Indiana. Mm -hmm. I, I, I actually don't remember giving you the idea, but I definitely remember the coffees. Oh, yeah. Well, shout out to Hubbard and Cravens and Broad Ripple off Carrollton yep. Avenue. Yeah, my favorite. Always, always. <laughs> so... Yeah, we've been talking a little bit about, you know, what you've been doing for clients. Um, you're back in Orlando after the whole Hurricane Harvey thing, so you're back settled in. Um, how's the family and everything? Good. We uh, we actually never even left. We uh, decided to ride the hurricane out and and just see, you know, how it would go. We had been hearing news of, of everything changing, plus they had advised Central Florida to not evacuate because Southern Florida was. So we... We stayed here and we're very fortunate that uh, we only lost a part of our fence and never even lost power. I've got friends who just got power today after eight days. Oh, my gosh. So you basically had all <laughs> – so all your meat was preserved then? <laughs> yep. Okay. <laughs> yep, and we didn't have to eat any of the uh, non-perishables, so we're going to actually hang on to those until the end of hurricane season. That's awesome. So th there's – We've been talking and, you know, you kind of, uh, you know, brought in about, you know, I mean, your content marketing uh, guru, I would say. I mean, the first, I think, conversation we had was, yeah, I write 10,000 words a week. And I just like my eyes just popped out of my head like, what? <laughs> <laughs> write that much. I mean, over the years, I mean, I was probably I was in like kindergarten and grade school when you started writing. And yeah. I want to know, like, with all that years of experience, like. How, first of all, how did you start out? And then what kind of like lessons you've learned um, along the way to how do you approach content marketing? Okay. Well, I, I basically started as a writer uh, when I was in college and writing for my, uh, for the school's newspaper, you know, I went to Ball State and wrote for the Ball State Daily News. And uh, I assumed sure. everybody could write. <laughs> and yeah, exactly. And uh, I assumed everybody could write. And so never thought much about it until I got to grad school. And one of my professors told me that, no, not everybody can write, uh, can write well, let alone, you know, to actually make a living out of it. And so I started to focus more and more on my writing. And so even when I was doing marketing, I always made sure that writing was part of that work. And so, you know, every position I took, writing became a bigger part of that focus. And so, uh, eight years ago, when I joined uh, Pro Blog Service as an employee, that was it. That you know, that became my full-time thing that I did. You know, I was always composing then, and then uh, 
you know, I got started at the company as an employee in February of 09. Uh, a few months later, I became one of the owners. And then three years ago, I bought out my partner and am now the sole owner of ProBlock Service. That's quite a story right there. Just <laughs> we could probably do another episode just on that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, <laughs> about the inner workings of how to be a content marketer and prove your worth and writing and then make that company who's has block in the name <laughs> a writing company and yep. having the chief owner be that. Yep. And I've um, written an ebook. Uh it's still it's still in sort of the final draft form, but I've written an ebook on how to do ghost blogging as a career. It's sort of for that person who uh, they like to write, but they're not sure what they want to do with it. So I basically teach how to do what I do. That's awesome. Yeah, I think you were talking about that. And th- I, I'm actually looking forward to reading that ebook because, you know, looking at, you know, what your company does was it's just not, you know, publishing articles, it's publishing high quality articles and interviewing those clients like it was their own words, but making them sound mm-hmm better like you you come in and you write for them and then but you get the information from that is that correct sure uh so in that sense we act like ghostwriters you know we're ghostwriters and we're journalists at the same time and i keep saying we like there's several of us and it still is me i work with some freelance writers who who do a lot of the heavy lifting for me but uh i will i will act like a, a regular newspaper journalist who doesn't know anything about a particular story the morning that they come into the office, but they start making these phone calls and they have to become the expert uh, by lunchtime so they can write that story. And so I interview clients about the different topics and things that we want to write about. And those turn into um, those turn into the four or eight blog posts I'm going to write for them for a month, for the month. But uh, because they're ghostwritten, we're putting the client's name on it and not mine. So it goes on their website under their name uh, and they get all the credit for it. So in, in your writing, helping these, you know, these clients, you've kind of been talking to me about content marketers or like storytellers. I mean, that's, I mean, back in the old ad age days with, you know, Ogilvy and Mather and all those ones, you know, Leah Burnett and that kind of stuff, you know, what have you seen, you know, you know, understanding writing techniques that have helped you with being, you know, improving your content marketing skills. Well, and that's something that I've been on a, a major kick lately is uh, I've back in 2014, I read an article that Mark Schaefer wrote uh, called content shock. Uh, Beware of the content shock. I think it was called. And he talked about how uh, in 2014, the size of the internet was expected to grow 600% in six years. So take whatever amount of information we had on the internet in 2014, that's one internet of information. We're going to add six more of those uh, by 2020. And the problem is that we as consumers, uh, we read and listen to and watch uh, about 10 hours of content per day. So, you know, listen to the radio on the way to work, you listen to your uh, podcast or music, while you're working out, you watch TV when you get home, you're reading stuff while you're at work, 10 hours a day, and that's it. And we're not going to increase no matter how much more content gets gets put out there, which means all the good stuff is going to get buried. 
So that means that we as as writers need to do a better job of writing. We need to you know, not necessarily write more. That's not going to be the answer, but rather we have to write better than those content marketers who think that good enough is just fine. They will write an article and say, oh, that's good enough. They'll do a first draft of a blog post and say, that's good enough. And then that's where we get buried. And so my goal has always been to, to be better than everybody else and try to make better content than other professional content marketers are making. And so I'm doing things like, you know, I read a lot for pleasure. I find authors who are better than I am, uh, and there's a lot of them. And I, I go read what they have to say, not only about writing, but I just read their work and I find techniques that they do. Uh, and I steal them and practice them and make sure that that's, you know, that's the way that I do things. Uh, I'm always looking for interesting new topics to write about and, and incorporating as much, say, fiction writing and, and playwriting technique into my content marketing. I don't necessarily say you're like stealing it. You're just learning how it's done better oh, yeah. from someone else that, I mean, it's yeah, exactly. with anything with, with any marketer that's done that with social media. Like how do we, how do we get people to, you know, like our page or how do we, you know, what's conversion rates off of, you know, how can we improve it from 2% to 5% when the industry average is 3%? Like, you know, it's, each individual case and, and learning from how people do that now. Right. And I say stealing is more tongue in cheek, but yeah. you know, but you're, you're kind of right. Uh, everything that, you know, that I am as a writer has been influenced by other writers. You know, I, I can point to three or four particular influences that I aspire to write like more, but then mm -hmm. if you study those three or four writers, they have, three or four writers that they all aspire to be like more. And so, you know, you go on and on back generations and generations to find out whose people's influences are. Uh, musicians do this. Good musicians do this, I should say. Uh, you know, my son uh, is a big fan of Jimi Hendrix and Gary Clark Jr. You know, he's an electric guitarist. Uh, and so he studies Jimi Hendrix and Gary Clark Jr. And I've tried to get him to understand uh, how to find the, the, the guys that influenced those two guitarists and have him start listening to them and picking up on their influences to see what it is that made those two, you know, those other two so great that my son would want to study them. So, you know, as marketers were influenced that same way, you know, how many people worked for David Ogilvy and learned from him Mm -hmm. And went out and just kind of propagated his seeds of knowledge that we all carry. You know, we're mm -hmm. all grandchildren and great grandchildren and great great grandchildren uh, in learning from people like David Ogilvy. Well, where did he learn it from? That's the that's a good question right there. You get the I get the impression that like he I don't know drank from the magic well or something cause, <laughs> because <laughs> nobody did what he did. He was a master. I, I think I read Ogilvy on advertising. He he had um had a he had a handful of people that came before him, but he also learned from his competitors a lot. Mm -hmm. I think that was a big thing, and, and knew their work ethics and knew you know their personalities and how their their uh, business would dictate their uh, 
you know, dictate their business. I mean, it's the personality and business just went hand in hand and you could tell which ones were going to fail or which ones succeeded based upon um, what the founder, the owner originally, you know, instituted in the company. Mm -hmm. And social media lets us do that so much more easily now. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, back in Ogilvy's days in the 50s and 60s, you just had to know those guys. And I say guys, they were guys. You had to know them. You had to meet with them. You had to talk with them. Uh, they didn't necessarily network and find ways to cooperate, but they would see each other at different events around town or different conferences if they had them. Um, and now, you know, I can see what other content marketers are talking about. And, uh, you know, they're all talking about data analysis or they're all talking about how to build your population. And, uh, and so I can see what all they're doing. And then for my own part, I can see what things I need to avoid because say everybody else is talking about it or what's a common mistake everybody else is making. So we've got advantages that I think David Ogilvy did not have uh, 50 years ago. Oh, exactly. And you kind of hit on a few things that, you know, kind of leading into, you know, how content marketers are storytellers, but you hit on something that was important what's kind of important is one, find your influencers that are writing, but you also said you write, you read for pleasure, which means could be nonfiction fiction, you know, but I've just noticed a lot of marketers who read like HubSpot, like five how to's and that kind of stuff. And I've just noticed a lot of people, they just get um, not jaded, but they get just so um, uninspired with just the five how to's, seven whys, whatever. Have you like learned any writing techniques that have kind of helped from, you know, you know, reading different authors that it might not even be content marketers? Um, and well, that's, that's been sort of my big focus personally, professionally is, is talking about that and writing about that. So like, I've got uh, a presentation that I've been giving. In fact, I gave it as a marketing profs webinar this, this summer. Uh, called a novel writing approach to content marketing. And it's the idea of using novel writing techniques uh, and storytelling techniques in content marketing. And so proper storytelling. Um, and so one of, the, one of the things that I heard very early on, uh, I think it was P.D. James, the British mystery novelist, she said, uh, bad writing is contagious. And so I took that to mean if I want to be better than the average content marketer, I shouldn't be reading the average content marketer. I really should be reading stuff uh, that's like way beyond what I can do. You know, so some of these uh, literary giants like P.D. James and Agatha Christie and Ernest Hemingway and Hunter S. Thompson, Kurt Vonnegut, uh, you know, Indiana's own. And I mm-hmm. read those, those people and try to take from them whatever it is they're teaching. Uh, I don't see a lot of content marketers aspiring to that level of excellence. They're like you said, they're reading, you know, how to write list posts, but then they're going to turn around and write their own version of how to write list posts. And so, you know, you take something, you take an article that might've been the best how to write list post article there is, and you have somebody else refashion it. And maybe they are not as good a writer as the first person. And they create an article that's not as good as the first person's. And then a third person comes along, sees the second article, makes a copy. 
fourth person comes along, sees a third person's, they make a copy, and each copy deteriorates in quality and in level of information. And so, you know, that first person is hailed as a genius, and the, the fourth generation article is, you know, is boring. It's not inspiring. It's not that informative. It's, you know, it doesn't contain any new information. But, <clears throat> excuse me, but that writer who's always looking outside the arena, I think, is going to be inspired and find a lot of new ideas that they can share. So what would you say would be like the most important like writing technique that I think content marketers, I think just anybody, marketers in general, anybody, if they're trying to, I mean, we all sell, we all market ourselves. You wrote a book about this personal branding. What do you think is the most important technique? I think. Or the most I think few two, important. <laughs> yeah, I would pick two. One is just being a good storyteller. And that actually means telling stories. Because, uh, you know, storytelling has become one of those jargony terms that everybody who makes words on paper uses about themselves. You know, I'm a storyteller. And yet their article is, uh, you know, here's a list of seven data points that we found in our research. And, you know, that's not storytelling. You know, unless your story starts out with, once upon a time, I found a magical list of seven data points. It's not a story. So proper storytelling techniques, you know, learning how to uh, write a plot and uh, follow a story structure like the hero's journey or the Freitag pyramid or the 15 curve or, you know, any one of these storytelling structures that novelists use, that's important. Um, so, you know, case studies. Case studies are great examples of a hero's journey um, you know, company A had a problem. Uh, they were losing millions of dollars. The hero came in, fixed the problem, and everybody was happy. That You know, that kind of story within case study, that's interesting. And people learn from that. And it's more memorable than seven lessons we learned when this consultant showed up. Mm -hmm. So that's that's tip number one. Tip number two is learn how to write like a real person. You know, learn how to write simply uh, with impact. Uh, so for me, you know, those writers are uh, Ernest Hemingway and uh, Hunter S. Thompson and Kurt Vonnegut. Those are three of the simplest writers I know. Agatha Christie and P.D. James, both favorites of mine, they tended to write longer, more flowing sentences. And, uh, and I prefer that short, punchy style. So, you know, so I especially get inspired by, uh, by my three. And I think that we as marketers need to recognize that our audience is a general audience. We like reading at a sixth grade reading level. You know, newspapers sort of trained us to do that because newspapers are written at a sixth grade reading level. So we should try to write at that same level because people want to, they, they feel comfortable reading at that level. It doesn't take a lot of bandwidth to process all of these PhD words. Uh, and so it's simpler to read, the message is easier to understand, and then people are more likely to be persuaded. So those are my two tips. One is uh, uh, learn how to tell a proper story, and two, write like a real person. I liked how you, you just gave me a great idea about how to write like um, a proper story. Because I was just thinking of this, when people like regurgitate the seven hows, it reminds me of like um, someone who just draws a stick figure 
on a piece of paper and then they they, they say that they're an artist. Mm-hmm. It's just that level of content has gone down rather than, you know, making a stick figure of something that's abstract and then someone, you know, pays four to five grand for it because you can actually tell a story behind the actual art itself rather than just saying, oh, it's a stick figure. Right. Yeah. I mean, here's, so here's a great example. You look at some of Pablo Picasso's artwork and it's, it's not that great. You know, I, I don't find it that appealing. I should say it doesn't, it's not my cup of tea. However, Picasso's paintings are worth a lot of money. I mean, millions and millions of dollars because he painted them. He's sort of that story behind the painting. And so, uh, you know, so I could paint something that looks exactly like a Picasso painting, but I don't have that story to go with it. You know, this guy, he's just, he bought a paintbrush and a, and a canvas, and this is what he made. Not that interesting. This is Pablo Picasso, one of the greatest artists in the 20th century. Uh, lived in Spain, and all his paintings are worth millions, and there's a great story. So his painting is worth more. So going on to, I mean, we've hit on a lot about content marketing and that kind of stuff, and I think it, this is a good, like, section to go into is uh, – talked about Pablo Picasso's kind of story of his work. And um, I asked you a few questions like before this that, uh, you know, what makes you tick, you know, and you said, you know, you love, I mean, obviously it's, you know, exhumed in this podcast is you are, you, your work and your hobbies are writing. But um, I just didn't remember this since we've known each other for, I don't know how long have we known each other, like five, six years. That I didn't, I forgot that you, that you loved woodworking or baseball and baseball and that kind of stuff or, you know, indie coffee shops, not I-N-D-Y, but (laughs) I-N-D-I-E. It could be both. Um, But, you know, I think it's important in the podcast and especially this one is the conversation that we've had and, you know, continuing, like when we had our Friday meetings, it was like, oh, what what are you doing in marketing this week? Or what are you doing this? And then it's like, okay, how's. How's your family? How's your friends? You get to know the people behind the work. So, you know, mm-hmm. is there anything else that you want to kind of like tell people like, you know, what kind of inspired you to in your writing? You know, you've kind of mentioned a few things with um, I mentioned a few things, too. But if you want to add on to that. Well, you mentioned woodworking. And so like one of my favorite rooms in the house is is my garage. And uh, it's it's always been that way. Wherever I've lived as an adult, is I you know it's my garage, and I build a big workbench and and uh, you know plaster the the walls with tools. And what I have found, and, and this does go back to your writing question, but I have found that that sort of the place that gives me the most peace and solitude and the best place to think is being out in the garage and just kind of tinkering around. Either I'm building something, or I'm organizing it, or I'm cleaning it up, and I uh, just you know. Either it's it's still late enough in the summer, early enough in the fall that baseball is on, or you know football is on, and I've got uh, you know small TV in there. But uh, but it's I find that when I'm out there and I'm not thinking about work, a lot of ideas shake loose, uh, problems that I'm trying to solve. The answers pop into my head while I'm you know while I'm cutting a piece of wood or or you know just sweeping off the sweeping out the garage floor or something comes into my head and I have to stop what I'm doing 
it's actually almost annoying because I'm enjoying what I'm doing. I have to stop and I have to write it down so I can get back to what I'm doing. If I don't write it down, I will lose that thought uh, a few hours later. And uh, in fact, that's a good rule of thumb. Always keep a notebook by your bed because if you think of something in the middle of the night and you Mm -hmm. go to sleep and think, oh, I'll remember it tomorrow, you will never remember it tomorrow. Always write it down. So, but I, I do that out in the garage. And so, you know, if the baseball game's on and I can just kind of lose myself in the, in the white noise of the crowd and the announcer, uh, or if I'm out in the garage playing around, uh, I, I get a lot of inspiration for creativity and new ideas there. I'm glad you think of new ideas in the garage instead of the basement. You remember when we talked about this? Uh, I don't. That entrepreneurs find their companies out of garages and that's been Apple, Amazon, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And people who work in their, in their basements are either serial killers <laughs> or um, video gamers that don't contribute to society. So it's yep. like the, one, the good ones that contribute to society work in the garage. The ones that don't or harm <laughs> humanity <laughs> are in the basement. If <laughs> pits in their basements. When yeah, parents, well, exactly. We, we don't even have uh, basements in Florida because we've got, we're, it's like Indiana, uh, a lot of limestone. But the problem is that, you know, it's so porous that uh, the ocean water can get in or the rainwater will flood basements. And you get all kinds of critters here that we don't have in Indiana. There you go. So, no one has a basement. <laughs> so there you go, everybody. That was Eric Deckers. Um, Eric, pleasure to have you on um, the first episode for Converge Coffee. Um, Thank you. Welcome. Um, you will actually, um, I will be providing links um, at the bottom of the page um, or on the page for this episode. So if anybody is interested in Eric's work or uh, pro blog service, they can click on those links. And everybody have, hope you're enjoying your coffee and hope to hear from you on the next episode. Thanks. Mm-hmm.